The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, it is the last Tuesday of the month. So time to check in with our pal Grant Vidork, the owner at uh, Leading Edge Physiotherapist. Of course, he's a physiotherapist uh, as well, but it's Fit After 40 time with Grant. Hey, Grant, how you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing, Jalen? Well, I'm doing much better after a visit to uh, Jonathan at Leading Edge Physiotherapy in Windermere last week. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's well, been, uh, it's been something else. For John. I'll say you're welcome for John. He <laughs> did all the work. You know what? And, and here's the thing. And, and, and one of the things that I'm finding uh, working from home, I'm not as I'm not moving as much. And I think that's one of the things a lot of people are finding beforehand, Grant. I mean, even when we were working in offices, we were sitting so much. Mm-hmm. I'm finding that I'm doing it even more uh, at home. And, and that's causing grief. Are you are you guys seeing more and more of that? Yeah, for sure we are. I mean, I think that in general, I think there's other things that are going along with that too. I, I, I personally, and now there's no research on this, but I'm also, I think that there's just in general lower susceptibility uh, or sorry, like people are more susceptible to injury right now. I think because there's a lot more stress just in general around. And there are lots of studies that say that when the body is facing stresses, it is more prone to injury. And I think that's playing a big role too, Jalen. Interesting stuff. All right. Uh, we wanted to kick this off, and I want to let people know right now, 780-496-0063. Today we want to take as, as many of your questions for for Grant as possible. So start sending them in now. Usually you wait much too late, and then we miss a whole bunch of them. So get them in now. But to kick things off, wanted to talk a little bit about rotator cuffs, uh, the surgery and the process uh, around that. I hear a lot of people talk about injuries with their shoulders shoulders and their rotator cuff. I always thought it was cup. Um, <laughs> but, you know, is it an easy, is it, it's a, is, is it a fairly, um, what's the word, uh, not popular, is it a fairly, is it an injury that happens often? Very common, very, very common. So the rotator cuff is, it's a, it's a small group of four muscles in the shoulder um, that play a primary role of rotating the shoulders. So you can imagine how often we do that throwing a ball, catching a ball, um, playing tennis. You can name a ton of sports, but even just lifting because that rotator cuff plays another really important role in stabilizing the shoulder. And the shoulder is just in general a very unstable joint. You've got a lot of mobility, but it's unstable. And so those poor muscles, they've, they've got a really important task to play. And unfortunately, not just with aging and wear and tear, but also just with the pure stresses of what we do to our shoulders, they are prone to injury. There's no question about it. Okay, so when when physio doesn't work, maybe going into it, um, when is surgery necessary? Um, and, and I'm guessing that physio would then be needed after surgery. Yeah, so it's, it's, this, is, this is a great topic. In fact, the one reason I wanted to talk about it is I've had two people in the last day and a half, both with big, large rotator cuff tears uh, where MRI confirmed it, and yet they're not going to need surgery. They're doing very well without it. So the topic today is what does the surgery look like? But just as important is not everybody is going to need a surgery just because they've got a tear in their rotator cuff. And so essentially there's a few things that happen. When you've sustained an injury to the shoulder, 
and it's assessed, and we can see a person's functions extremely limited. One of the telltale signs that it's ruptured is one, the person can't lift their arm at all. And so they try to lift it at their side and it, it doesn't even move. So that's one good example of something that we're gonna notice. There's another really obvious sign when somebody tries to lift their arm and their shoulder really hunches up. And that's one of the other things that we'll notice with these big tears. And, and so here's the interesting thing is with rehab and with the proper treatment early on, sometimes the person will go on to regain all of that function and they may over a period of time, and this is an important thing for people to hear from me right now, it takes time. We have a culture of impatience. <laughs> There's no <laughs> doubt about it. This me now, I want it done tomorrow. I have this to do and that to do. And unfortunately, we need to have a frank conversation about time that it takes, and these can take quite a long period of time, three to six months, up to a year. And But within that period of time, people can gain most of their function back in many cases, if not all, and have very little pain. And in those cases, really, we're not going to encourage somebody to have surgery because really, what's the point? The point is for somebody to have as much optimal function as possible. That being said, over that period of time, they don't get that range of motion back or they're in a considerable great deal of pain still. It's going and it's going, then certainly the conversation about surgery has to come up. And we don't, we don't dissuade somebody from surgery in those circumstances. And so I, I, I'm guessing that there's different kinds of surgeries depending on how bad the tear is. Yes, so that's correct. So partial tears are very, very not, uh, it's very uncommon to repair partial tears because we do know that the long run uh, rehab can be very successful. The, the larger the tear or if they're complete tears or if there's multiple tendons involved, because of course we talked about four different muscles, um, then, then it's going to involve a different type of procedure. So most commonly though now, uh, our amazing surgeons here in Edmonton, we've got, met, we've got just unbelievable surgeons doing the work out there. Um, they do it arthroscopically, most common. And so what they're doing is small incisions in order to get their instruments into the joint, and they do it mostly via camera and small, small instruments in order to anchor and suture the, that tendon back to the bone. The larger the tear, the more it's retracted. So you can imagine these tendons are under tension and sometimes when they tear, they kind of they kind of ravel up or wind up. And and the more that it winds up, the more they have to go. Pardon the term. I don't want to scare anybody, but they kind of have to go fishing for it. But the more they have to go looking for it, sometimes they'll have to do more of a procedure. More procedures needed also when there's a lot of arthritis in the joint. So while they're doing the procedure, sometimes they'll switch from arthroscopic and then do a smaller incision and do some work on the on the arthritic changes that have happened to the shoulder as well. All right, and then recovery from that, when it comes to, to, to rehab and, and the physio process, what does that look like, Grant? It's, it's a long period of time. So, so the, re the recovery is quite complex too. There's a period of time when you really need it to be protected. And so a person comes out of that surgery and oftentimes they're in a great deal of pain because it's not a small small surgery. Um, and they're immobilized. So you're in a sling and a swath, which means that your arm is basically fixated to your chest for a period of time. And we don't want a person to raise their arm away from their side or reach behind their back because it can put a lot of stress in onto that tendon in the early stage. And so for the first six weeks, it's really being protected with very safe, 
range of motion, mobility things that we want to make sure that they're doing properly so that they don't do any anything to um, compromise the surgery. Then around six weeks, we start with a little bit more movement with the person. And that's when, oftentimes, that's when it starts to get really sore and people get really concerned because while it's protected and in the sling, things are kind of starting to settle down. A person thinks, okay, this isn't so bad. I've got, got it where I need to. And then as you start to move it or as it needs to get moving, that's when it starts to get quite uncomfortable. And so you've got a nice extended period of time there, unfortunately, where we're dealing with pain, but at the same time really trying to get the shoulder moving properly, which is then followed by strengthening. The whole, the whole period of time I tell somebody with a rotator cuff repair, it's going to be a year-long process. The wow. most important, yeah, the most important period of time is that first four months but it's up to a year before a person's shoulder is going to feel as optimal as it's going to over that period of time. Grant Fedorik from Leading Edge Physiotherapy joining me this afternoon. It is time for you to ask your question of Grant, and we're going to start back here with, uh, and of course my computer has just frozen (laughs) up, Grant, but I can remember them. Um, Wayne had texted in, he says when he's walking, he feels like there is a ripping in the bottom of his foot and then it disappears very quickly. Any idea what that might be? I, it sounds like plantar fasciitis, doesn't it? Yeah, it depends. That's when we would have to see because it's kind of a generic. It would depend on where the location. So just for anybody listening, one of the first things when you come see us that we're going to go through is a history. And in that history, we want to know where is the pain. We got the type of pain. It's a ripping and it's in the bottom of the foot. But is it toward the front of the foot? Or is it toward the heel? Is it in the arch? There's a lot of soft tissue in that area. So whenever you get a ripping sensation, it's most likely going to be a soft tissue problem. So it could be one of the tendons. It could be, uh, certainly it could be from the plantar fascia, which is that fibrous tissue that extends from the heel to the toes. Um, it could be other things as well. There's little, little capsules around each little joint in there, and that can also happen. The person may have had an injury as well. And, scar tissue may have formed in there and you might be having an issue with that. So anytime that somebody's got those symptoms, we certainly want to have a look and we can kind of get through it. But it does sound like it'd be something to do with the soft tissue of the foot. All righty. Cindy says, I'm so glad to hear there's going to be talk about Morton's Neuroma. I have an ultrasound book to confirm or deny if that is what I have going on. And someone else had texted in and said, I have this incredible pain in my foot around my toes. And uh, I've been told that it could be Morton's Neuroma. I don't know much about it. What is it and what can be done? You bet. So around, so right, just like your fingers, you have a joint where the finger, the long finger bones meet kind of the, the the next joint and the long and the short is right around the front of your foot around the pad of your forefoot right in that area what can happen is we can develop a little bit of scar tissue so it starts usually as an inflammation of the capsule and the capsule is like basically like a little balloon that surrounds each joint it provides nutrition it provides a little bit of stability it's got its various roles in each joint in our body actually we've got them everywhere but in this case, when we form some um, inflammation around that area, usually because of biomechanical changes in the foot, fallen uh, arch at the front of the foot called the fallen transverse metatarsal arch, it puts a lot of stress on that joint, creates inflammation. And unfortunately, when it goes on over a long period of time, we start to form scar tissue. And unfortunately, if that scar tissue captures little nerves that are in that area, 
we developed what's called a neuroma, and it's basically the neuroma is a nerve that's got scar tissue around it. The good news is, is that they can be treated um, quite conservatively many times. Sometimes when it goes on in the conservative management, like physical therapy that we do, including things like that. You, Jalen, you've heard me talk about Graston technique. Yep. Uh, we'll do techniques to stretch and improve the tissue mobility in through there. Uh, we've got other modalities that help to reduce the inflammation. Kind of that combination, as well as solving the mechanics of the foot, if that doesn't work, then sometimes, unfortunately, they do go in there and debride or take away the scar tissue to solve the problem. Yeah, I've heard that they can be removed, but there there's quite yeah. a wait time to get uh, into them in, in the hospitals. I think you can pay to have it done if that is something that you want to, but uh, it's, it's going to cost you a little bit. All right, uh, let's get into... SI joints. Uh, there's a there's a question about that. First off, what is that, and and why the stabbing pain? <laughs> uh, that that uh, it was Nathan says. Why do I get the stabbing pain in my lower back, right at that joint, all the time? And what can be done about it? It is crippling at times. You bet. So most often when it's stabbing, so so the SI joint is what we call the sacroiliac joint, and it's where the sacrum meets the ilium. So essentially, you know, your your hip bone where it's got that big wing, it meets the middle part, which is your sacrum. And right where they meet is what's called the sacroiliac joint. Now there's not a lot of movement that happens at that joint. It's not meant to move. It's got small amounts, but it's got really, really strong ligaments around it. So it's usually quite stable. But the two things that can occur with the sacroiliac joint most commonly is that an injury, like a fall where you land hard on your bum, or if you step really hard off of a curb, we've all done it. You know, you're coming down the stair and you think there's one more stair, but there's not. Or <laughs> So that would be an example. Or a car accident where your foot is fixed on the brake and you get hit hard. So that kind of a jolt, a really significant jolt, can create instability around that joint. And that would be one of the causes of a sacroiliac joint dysfunction or a common cause. The other one is what we call sacroiliitis, and that's inflammation at that joint where they meet. And it's the most common thing that people will have when they've got that sharp stabbing pain that creates other referred pain, usually sometimes into the buttock, can cause the leg to feel weak and want to give way sometimes. And so when that's occurring, everything that I talked about, about trying to reduce the inflammation goes with this as well. So there's techniques we do to reduce the inflammation, the spasm around the tissue to let it settle down. Many people with this problem are on anti-inflammatories, which can help. Um, but certainly conservative management is the way to go about this. Later on, strengthening, because of course, in both cases, even when there's inflammation, but definitely when there's instability, the key is to use the muscles to try to create stability because the ligaments are no longer providing it. All right, uh, Grant, there's a reason why um, your physiotherapy locations are called Leading Edge is because you guys have been on the leading edge of a lot uh, in this community and a lot when it comes to techniques and, and different services that you provide. This text came in and said maybe Grant can touch on, on chronic conditions and treatments such as PRP and prolotherapy. It might benefit the CHED audience. I know it's not talked about uh, a lot, and I, I, I've heard of PRP when it comes to to, you know, um, different treatments that dermatologists do on skin, but I didn't know that uh, physiotherapists did this as well. Is this something that's on, on your 
horizon that's something that you do? Well, we certainly see patients who've had these treatments. And so prolotherapy is basically, so let's tell people what they are. Prolotherapy is mostly used for somebody who's got an instability. So like I was talking about, where ligaments are no longer uh, providing the stability that they used to, um, what, where prolotherapy came from was basically using an irritant, so injecting an irritant into the area to create uh, essentially a healing process. Or sometimes we almost are trying to encourage a, a scar tissue process. Now, I've talked about it before. Scar tissue can be good, it can be bad. Scar tissue is always necessary in the healing process, but unfortunately, sometimes it can also create problems down the road. Prolotherapy is an injection that creates kind of that environment. PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma technique, is what they're doing is removing your blood, spinning it in order to basically um, derive the platelets. And in your platelets, you carry the most important part of the healing process. So they're essentially taking those platelets and then putting them back into your tissue and injecting them in order to create a healing process. Hmm. And so where we come along in both of those processes is there are medical treatment that can be used to try to solve a chronic ongoing problem. But, and I would say fortunately, there's very important to carry on that process, which is the rehab side of it. Because although the healing process is going on, we always say, physio can't cure you, but we can help your body to heal more optimally. <laughs> and that's what we're trying to do in that case. So they've created an environment where the healing is taking place and let's make sure that it occurs optimally. Grant, uh, we're out of time, and as um, usual, we're still getting more questions coming in, so I'm going to tell people to go to the website at leadingedgephysio.com and click on the Ask the Physio button, and someone will get back to them. Uh, Grant, always enjoy our conversations. Thanks for checking in. We'll do it again next month. Absolutely. Hey, everybody, just remember, even if you're wearing masks, I can still see you smile, so let's keep the smiling going on out there. <laughs> You betcha. Grant Fedoric joining us this afternoon, of course, owner of uh, Leading Edge Physiotherapy. Check them out, leadingedgephysio.com. And as I mentioned, if we didn't get to your question this afternoon, you can go to the website. There is a button there that says Ask the Physio. Click on it. Someone will get back to you.